and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing just after midnight on Friday morning. Joining us from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where at the center on, center, Thursday, baby. on Thursday night, where Tim Bontemps watched the 76ers uh, get beaten by the, the New York Knicks in a, in a much-needed win for the Knicks coming out of the break. And Mr. Bontemps, hello. Hello. Watch Kyle Lowry get whacked in the head, too, with a giant gash on his head in his uh, first game back in his hometown. Had a pretty good game, though, for Kyle Lowry. He played great. He was one of the few he was one of the few good things for the Sixers in a very, very poor uh, overall performance for them coming out of the break. He and Tyrese Maxson were great. Everybody else, not so much. And joining us from Dallas, Texas, at the American Airlines Arena, where he watched the Dallas Mavericks beat the rival Phoenix Suns, Luca. 41 points and his 12th tech of the year, which meant he had to do a pool report. Ben McMahon. Howdy partners. I I told you boys, I I didn't get measurements, but I do believe it was an all sub six foot crew. And you know what that means. Now, haven't said that. Haven't said that the uh, T didn't come till 34 seconds were left in the third quarter. And Luca was a, a a chatty fella coming out of the all-star break. Um, He got the, the tech for, uh, abruptly throwing the ball at the official with force. Abruptly. Abruptly with force. Uh, not for, not for, yep, yep. There was one of the funnier things. I forgot which ref he was arguing with at one point, but the ref interrupted Luca and Luca yelled, I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> the ref should have said, Aren't you oh. always? But no, listen, seven straight wins for the Mavs. We'll get in his later dominant performance from Luca, 41-9. And Kyrie. Kyrie was great, 29 points efficiently. This Dallas team is defending. Uh, like I said, we'll dig into them a little bit later on. How many times have you had a pool report about a Luca situation so far this season? I, I Not mean, too many. I, by the honestly, way, hold it real quick. I'm sorry. So our listeners know a pool report, a reporter goes and uh, speaks to, on behalf of all the reporters to the referees after the game, which McMahon seems to frequently be the man selected. Yeah, and so there's been a couple. There was one that uh, I declined to request from uh, somebody who's got a whole lot of money in his bank account because those are supposed to be requested by the media. But no, not too many. It's just more money in his bank account now than he did, you know, a few months ago. A few months ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the thing about it, though, really, it's just, it is his 12th, unless it's rescinded. 16th an automatic suspension, so... Kind of at the point where every Luca T is going to probably be a pool report because they have greater meaning. And it's funny, Jay Kidd was asked a question about you know players on his team who tend to get uh, you know animated with referees, and Jay Kidd goes, "It's a player." <laughs> <laughs> the, the other one, the other one was shipped off to Charlotte. And by the way, Grant Williams does nothing but win with the Charlotte Hornets. You're making a joke, but it's. Actually accurate. The Hornets are ripping off wins left and right ever since their right. trade. Day and Grant games. Williams has been on fire from the moment he got there. I will say this. If you're going to keep going to the uh, referee's locker room after every Luka Tech, if you keep up your heightest commentary, you're going to get banned from being down there too, McMahon. Where? The referee locker room. I don't go to the referee locker room. They do them on Zoom, you bozo. Oh, well. I mean, Shay, l- listen, this is, you know what? I don't tell you how to operate in green rooms. Don't tell me how to operate with pool reports. <laughs> Fair enough. McMahon is the master. Fair of enough. Report. All right. Well, the biggest victory that I think happened in the NBA uh, the first night back from the All Star break uh, happened in Oklahoma City, 
with the Thunder whipping the L.A. Clippers by 22 points in a game that was not only amongst, you know, two teams that could contend to win the West, but was determining the tiebreaker mm-hmm. between the team in second versus the team in third. They're now, they were separated by a half game coming in. Now it's a game and a half and a spectacular performance up and down the roster by the Thunder. Shea Gildas-Alexander with 31 points. Jalen Williams, the uh, starting wing, not the uh, reserve big man, with 18 points and spe- some spectacular defense. And Chet Holmgren. You know, can you call them the big three? Is it is yes. it too soon? Yeah. Okay. No, oh, definitely not. No, it's not too soon when okay. they're near the top of the West standings. One guy's an MVP candidate. The other two guys are uh, <laughs> clearly going to get fun max contracts on their next deals. No, those well, are, those I, are their well, building blocks. We'll see what happens with with the rookie of the year. But you know, they could go MVP, rookie of the year, and Jalen Williams could make the All Defensive Team. And they, I mean, that's. You know, that's that's legit. Anyway, Chet had 17, 10, three assists, three blocks uh, in this game. And just a spectacular performance by the Thunder coming out of the gate. But that's not what Bontemps wants to talk about in this game. Uh-oh, the USWB, no. baby, that's your music. No, listen, we we have talked a lot this year about how important it was that Chet Holmgren came into training camp and started playing center right away. And for all the things that that did for the Thunder. And the biggest thing that it did in theory was get their five best players on the court. Shea, Josh Giddy, J- Jalen Williams, Chad Holmgren, and Lou Dort. Been their starting five all year. And we have talked on this pod a lot about the awkward fit of Josh Giddy with that group. And at some point, are the Thunder going to consider making a change? The first seven minutes of this game today, they were getting boat raced by the Clippers with Vika Zubac sitting in the paint and guarding Josh Giddy, and really not guarding Josh Giddy. Same thing that McMahon saw the Dallas Mavericks do very effectively right before the, right after the trade deadline when the Thunder went into Dallas and got absolutely demolished, and they just basically ignored Josh Giddy the whole game to great effect. And in the second half tonight, Mark Dagnall, Coach of the Thunder sits Josh Giddy, starts Isaiah Joe. The Thunder absolutely demolished the Clippers in the second half. And I think this is potentially a pretty important day in the calendar. Because if the Thunder going forward keep Josh Giddy out of the starting lineup, which to me, this sort of feels like they've been inching towards doing this for a while. And now they finally did it whether it's with Isaiah Joe, whether it's with Case and Wallace, whoever it is that they put in that spot. Gordon Hayward, who made his debut tonight? Not be very Hayward. effectively. <laughs> 14 well, points, I mean, no no points. I don't think he did have a couple rebounds. Yeah, I mean, he hadn't played since, I think, Christmas, basically. So, I mean, it'll probably take him some time to get, to get into rhythm. Mm-hmm. But we were waiting for this move to happen at some point because at some point during the playoffs, at minimum, it felt like this was going to happen. The fact that it happened today in a game against another elite team coming out of the all-star break, this feels like a very significant moment. And I think if I'm these other teams in the West, I don't like this development because I think the Thunder are a better and more dangerous team with that grouping they had out there to start the second half and with Josh Giddy coming off the bench. And I'm very curious to see if that becomes a consistent trend. I told you guys when I saw them in Dallas, and I've seen the Thunder several times this year, I saw them lose to Minnesota when they put Gobert on Giddy, and Gobert just clogged the paint up and 
destroyed them defensively in that game. I saw them beat the Celtics when Giddy made the Celtics pay for putting Chris Stapp's Porzingis on him. But I told you after they came through Dallas that I had pretty significant doubts about Josh Giddy being able to play extensive minutes during the playoffs. Just for the the the, it's a tough league if, unless you are a dominant on ball player who's got the ball in his hands, which he's a good on ball player, but he's not going to have the ball in his hands when you've got the MVP candidate uh, sharing the the back court with you. If you can't shoot and you're not a rim runner, it's a really hard league to play in, especially come playoff time. And like, it's not like he he's their fifth best defender in the starting lineup as well. So it's not like, well, you need his defense. He is one of their better rebounders. And, you know, if it's going to be an Isaiah Joe or a Casey Wallace, like a, a very small team would get significantly smaller. Um, you know, that's, that's where Hayward maybe helps. Right. Just, you know. He's a better rebounder than Hayward, but Hayward, you're not sacrificing a lot of size, nor would you be sacrificing a lot of uh, of playmaking ability. But, I mean, look, they've got they, – it is a big three, Right. SGA is an MVP candidate. Uh, probably going to be back-to-back Rookie of the Year runner-ups, but guys who are like both Chet Holmgren and Jalen Williams are phenomenal two-way players that are versatile on both ends of the floor. Um, Lou Dort is going to be a fixture. He is their best wing defender, one of the best wing defenders in the league. That's why, Wendy, you said maybe Jalen Williams for all-defensive team. I, I, I think if they're getting an all-defensive player of those Yeah, two, I don't. I don't think I agree, but I'm just saying he's that – He's that he's level of player. If he doesn't make it this year, he might make it someday. Yeah, and if you ask Dagnall about him, he'll talk about a, a lot yeah. how hard he competes, how great he is on defense, and then you get to the fact that he's one of the most efficient near 20-point-per-game scorers uh, in the league. But again, right now the fit is awkward with Giddy. Long-term, I just don't see it. Well, long-term maybe, but I, I don't think he'll be taken out of the starting lineup, and I do think this is the second or third time this year he's not started the second half. I think it's something that they can go to if they if they feel like the, the the need is there. And you guys might be right; it might be something you see in the playoffs. Real quick, the, I want to say something about Isaiah Joe. Real quick, mm. earlier this week, Bontemps went to a press conference in Brooklyn where Kevin Ollie was named the, the interim head coach, and he was texting. I don't know me where this, this is. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> hang loose, big guy. Let him talk. Hang loose. That's why we got this podcast. Um, hang loose <laughs> that's right just, just take it easy take it easy um and kevin ollie is talking about what needs to improve with the with the brooklyn nets and he's like we got to have more than five charges drawn and you know blah 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 Eesh. and uh bontem sent me that quote and i go he doesn't actually mean they've only taken five charges all year <laughs> and so we looked it up and they hadn't taken six, five charges. Six. They've taken six. That's amazing. By the way, as a quick now, non sequitur. Hold on. Just non- hold on, Bontemps. Take it easy. Well, I, just I wanted, stand out. Right. Mute out. him. Mute him, Jackson. Let me, let me tell a story. Okay. Mute him. So I, I decided to go look at this charges situation. Ooh. Um, there's 43 players in the league coming into tonight who had more than six uh, charges drawn, which is what the whole Brooklyn Nets team had. And Isaiah Joe, by the way, is like, third or fourth in the league and drawing charges. And if you'd have asked me about that, I would not have known that Isaiah Joe draws that many charges, but he is a vastly improved defender. And as you as you guys talked about, Mark Dagonault goes with Isaiah Joe and is also can shoot the heck out of it from long range. But it's an indication of how deep this Thunder team is. 
and how many options that they have. And while they are young and while they are limited in size, they have so many different things that they can do. And just as a side note to that, we mentioned Grant Williams playing really well for the Hornets since getting traded there. Trey Mann, who was a first-round draft pick a couple of years ago by the Thunder, had no prayer of breaking into this rotation. None. They were playing 10, 11 guys, and Trey Mann couldn't get into this rotation. Trey Mann is starting for the Hornets and putting up real big, significant numbers. Had another double-digit point game tonight at 21 the other night. He couldn't smell the floor for the Thunder. And, um, and so that's the thing. Like Whether or not the Josh Giddy move tonight is uh is something we see more often it's just an it's just a reminder of all the different things that mark dagonault has at his disposal and by the way mark dagonault may you know everybody made fun of him for the linkedin coach and he may not be the most recognizable guy outside oklahoma city i think this i was guy the can, one who made fun of him for that but go on. <laughs> how tall is he though big man I, I think he's he's like six two i would say he i believe he's over six foot he's a very good tactical coach He's a uh, he's like might be the coach of the year this year, and, really and last year was period. in consideration for it. He's yeah. a great coach, and he's also he's a great tactical coach, and he's a great developmental coach. And the the Thunder benefit a lot from both of those because they are a team that is positioned to win now while developing a ton of young talent. Well, and that's and that again is why the Giddy thing is so significant because he's extension eligible this summer. He was seen as a key piece of their team. He's the second highest draft pick of all these guys, and he's not a good fit. And we've seen that throughout the year. We've talked about it a bunch. That's why today, I think on that front, is a big deal. Uh, one real quick non sequitur on the net since you mentioned that. I asked Kevin Ollie, how are you going to get your team to play harder and with more energy after Sean Marks said that was a big part of why they let Jacques Vaughn go after the way they've fell apart since the Get Bucks game in December. And Kevin Ollie said, I have a list of 17 energy generating behaviors and we went over them all today in practice. I bet that was well, a great practice. Those, those energy generating behaviors led to the Nets allowing 46 fast break points tonight in Toronto and being down by 30 for most of the second half and getting absolutely demolished in his debut. So might need to go back to the drawing board on some of that. Well, let me play. tell you who is going to start for the Thunder going forward. That's Shea Gildas-Alexander. He was He's pretty good for the was, next like decade. He was plus sure. 21 tonight. Nobody else in the starting lineup was more than plus six. He was plus 21. There's the guy who made the difference in the game against his former team, the Clippers. And that's the thing about the Clippers um, for as much as they have going for them and as many different ways as they can bend and as impressive as their depth is, they are not a team that has terrific size. And that is a factor when going against the Thunder. If they can't, if a team can't beat you up with size, mm -hmm. the Thunder will probably fare a little bit better against them. And so just keep that in mind, even though I am big high. Is that, is that a phrase, big high? No, I am I don't think so. high. I'm bigly high on the Clippers. Clippers bench got absolutely. I'm high. I'm bigly high. I'm bigly Brian high. Clippers, Clippers, Clippers bench got absolutely boat raced by uh, Shea in the bench tonight. With the sixth man of the year front runner, Russell Westbrook? He was terrible tonight. What? Yeah. He was terrible. Russ was one for nine in 16 minutes. Norm Powell, minus 22. Amir Coffey, minus 22. Mason Plumley, minus 12 in eight minutes. Not oh, bad. God. That's a shift. Holy Moses. It's not great. 
<laughs> Minus 12 in eight minutes, yeah. Uh, and look, Isaiah Joe's not going to be in the six-man-of-the-year conversation, but he has been. Bontemps thinks he's starting, so he won't be in the six-man. Well, hey, he's been. I like. Obviously, we talk about, and I just wrote this big story on the whole Paul George trade and how that laid the foundation for the Thunder to be contenders for years to come. I mean, SGA, Jalen Williams, picks and picks and picks that have turned into picks and picks and picks still on the way from that. Some of Sam Presti's best work, though, was a waiver claim on Isaiah Joe, who is not just a shooter, but he's a shooter who flies all around the floor, you know, like just bends defenses. And then you mentioned the charges thing. Uh, I forget the weight class, but uh, Dagonal refers to him, I think it's lightweight, like as a like a lightweight fighter. Because he's 165 pounds, yeah. but he's tough. He, he he's tough to take. Toughness. He's like he's like taking 20 charges this year. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, look, Shea was a centerpiece of the trade for Paul George. Chet Holmgren was picked uh, second. Um, Jalen Williams is a lottery pick. Cason Wallace is a lottery pick. Like, they, they got some premium players here. However, you're right. Isaiah Joe was a waiver claim. They, Lou Dort was a two-way contract, undrafted. Lou Dort, they... they found on the street and um Kendrick Williams who I think is a guy rich. who if he was if he was what Ken Rich Ken Rich Williams is a guy who I think if he was on a different team would be maybe starting or getting 25 28 minutes yeah. they got him as a you know as part of the Steven Adams trade I think it was even I think he might even have gotten signed in trade I think they like there's something happened there where they picked him up like he was just, you know, he was just sitting in New Orleans and they got him as part of that deal. So um and, and and look in the playoffs, there might be games where he plays 25 or 28 minutes because he allows that he can play the four next to Chet. He can play the five and and let them, you know, for example, the Suns are playing a lot of this uh KD at five lineup. You know, he might there might be times where he matches up a lot in that lineup playing the small ball five. By the way, this is some crazy stats Jackson's throwing at us. SGA, 40-plus, first player in the league with 40 30-point games this year and has only three games where he scored under 20. The guy is like pretty good scoring metronome. You know, he's never had more than 44 in a game, but he averages 30-plus. It's 30 every single night. Just go ahead and pencil it in. And, and he's yeah, shooting look. in the mid-50s from the floor. Yeah, I mean, that's, the, that's why he... Well, he's shooting a lot more this year than he has in the past, but that's well, yeah, why I mean, he made three tonight. But he's like his his scoring is not predicated on three points. Right. Shot. No, and look, that's a that's a why he I mean that consistency and to obviously leading his super young team is why he's, you know, probably the prime alternative to Nikola Jokic, who by the way became the first guy ever in the history of the league to have 15, 15, 15 on hundred percent shooting tonight in a win <laughs> over the Wizards. Not that's bad. that's a, a stat that could stand for a while. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good stat. Um, 15, and Williams, first off, 15, 15, 15. That's awesome. And and the Nuggets, uh, forget about what you shot. The Nuggets uh, had lost three in a row. Yeah. Although they did lose Cantavius Caldwell-Pope in this game to a finger sprain. He's been in and out of lineup for them. But uh, it was against the Wizards. By the way, folks yeah. in Dallas are 
Folks in Dallas are perturbed about that straw poll, Bon Temps. We've got podcasts, newspaper stories. People are mad. Everybody's mad at me about that. They Everybody's say, mad they, at me in Boston. Everybody's mad at me in Cleveland. Everybody's mad at me in Dallas. That's they, how it they, goes. They say that Luca being one of the four legitimate candidates for MVP is not enough. Not um, enough. And hey, I'll say this. The biggest argument against him was that they were in the play-in when that poll was taken. They climbed out of the play-in tonight. They've got the tiebreaker against those sons now. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Yeah, let's talk about that. So seven wins in a row, definitely a team on the move. And they had to be on the move, McMahon, because the Lakers and Warriors, who are finishing up their game right now, the Warriors are winning. Lakers and Warriors are making moves behind them. They are you know, you can you can debate about whether they're actually going to lead anything, but they are yeah. coming from behind them. And the top four teams in the West have pretty much, you know, put themselves out apart from the others. And Phoenix has been a strong team when they've had their big three together. So and even New Orleans, so I think uh, they went over Houston on Thursday. I think they've won seven, eight. So if you're going to make it, if you're going to do anything in that Western Conference, you got to go, boy. And the Mavericks have, especially since Kyrie came back. And, you know, they didn't even get much production from their new players tonight. Um, it was their uh, their old superstar who was getting the job done tonight. Well, and both are superstars. I mean, Kyrie and Luka combined for 70 points on 45 field goal attempts. And those two guys, the, the last year obviously didn't go great uh, because they couldn't stop anybody. Um, they've been very good as an offensive duo. They've been elite as an offensive duo uh, this year. They do play well off of each other. They've, they've developed chemistry despite the fact that, I don't know what the game total is up to this year, but it's 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 not very high. Uh, the Mavericks have been a team that's dealt with a ton of, of injuries all season long, Kyrie being the, the front runner of that, not for, you know, the, the top guy, that's what I mean. And they are close to being completely healthy at this point. Dante Exum's practiced. Uh, he'll practice again tomorrow. They're hoping to have him back on this upcoming road trip. He's the only guy who missed tonight. And he's, I don't know what exactly his role is going to be, but he was, he had established himself as a guy who was going to be a starter. I don't know if that's still going to be the case, but he can help them. I'm telling you, as as much as the focus is obviously going to be on the guys who they gave up significant draft capital to get before the deadline, P.J. Washington and Daniel Gafford, who have contributed, getting Maxi Kleba back healthy and looking like himself has been the most significant development of these last couple of weeks. I, like, I know he's not a big name. I know he's not a guy who, like, if you look at the box score, and I'm like, Dylan, what are you talking about? The guy had seven points and two rebounds. Like, whoopty damn do. But if you watch this Mavericks team a couple of years ago when they made that West Finals run, yep, Maxie was playing 30-plus. He, he's the guy who ties everything together defensively. And he's it's not going to be 48 minutes of rim runner at center because Maxie's going to play a lot of center. Especially when teams try to go small on them, like well, this that's the other thing. It also game. means that they don't have to play a rookie thirty-five minutes if they don't want to. Well, and that's also what getting Gafford was. It was also insurance if Lively has been out a lot gets hurt again. But tonight, Lively played sixteen minutes as a starter. Gafford played seventeen minutes. Maxi played twenty-six minutes. You're like, hold on, that doesn't add up to forty-eight. It's because for the first time uh, since Maxi's been back, he played a, a fair amount at the four. 
And that that's a that's a very, very interesting look because they might need to go big to match up with big, say if they run into the Minnesota Timberwolves. Or tonight, they actually the the Suns went small after the Mavs built a nice lead in the third quarter and, and they got cooking. They spaced them out and, and, and got cooking. And JK basically said, you know what? Let's try to go big against their small because Maxie's a, a a guy who can guard one through five. And, you know, the, the hope was Gafford would come in there and kind of clean up on the glass. And it worked. The, the, so Maxie is just provides them so much versatility and depth. And I do think there's going to be a lot, if not most of the games, where they they will close with him at the five, despite having spent a lottery pick and given up a future, you know, key draft swap to get these rim running centers. Yeah, I mean, he's always been so to your point. He's always been the, really the, the key piece for them when they've played really well. It's always been when Maxie's been healthy and rolling at that five spot because he is just such a smart solid guy who fills in a ton of gaps. And like you said, you you look at his per game numbers or his individual box score numbers and you go, well, this doesn't seem all that impressive. But you watch, he makes just a ton of smart plays. He always knows where to be. And he's a winning player who creates winning basketball. And, you know, he's had these various injury ailments and he's been dealing with his toe issue. And so he's never really been a huge minute guy or out there as much as they would like. But like you said, you get him out there in a stretch like this, and he's playing well and healthy and looking good. Now Dallas looks like a dramatically different team. And now you look at the West standings, and we talked about the other day, you've kind of got the separation from one to four. And now from five to eight after tonight's action, New Orleans got 22 losses. Dallas and Phoenix have 23 losses. Sacramento, after pulling out a late win against San Antonio, also has 23 losses. So five to eight, basically in a tie in the loss column and after the Warriors beat the Lakers they're three and four back in the loss column so you sort of got it separated that way and it's a pretty good chance that's how it's going to wind up so it should be some fun races here down the stretch and and the one thing the Mavs have an advantage on uh, all those other teams they do have the best player and I say that with all due respect to Kevin Durant Devin Booker Luca right now is the best player of that of that bunch you know, Darren Fox, Sabonis, Zions, whatever. And Luca is doing it on both ends of the floor. You know, again, oh my God, I've never heard that before. It, it, listen, like, you know, four steals again tonight. I told you there's nerdy numbers out there that tell you he's statistically been one of the best ISO defenders and one of the best post up defenders in the league this year. Now, look. Well, I believe he's a good post up defender. Yeah, he's it, a strong you know, man. He is but so. He's just got to be. He's just got to show more effort and not be getting killed. He is. Well, so, and also get back. Get you back. Can't play defense if you're not. Well, back. but yeah, I get mean back. that's what I'm saying. Is part of more effort, like just doing the doing. He just has to do some of the basic stuff. Get back and stay engaged uh, when he's uh, you know in a help situation. Um, but he is so. He's a bigger version of Houston James Harden, who they would they would switch a ton. And you know he can he can switch he can guard multiple positions. You're not going to take advantage of him as a mismatch in the post because he's a bull. Hell no. And and he's competing. He's in he's in shape. His ankle's fine. He did get smacked in the face today with the ball and then Grace Allen's hand and his <laughs> square in his broken nose. I asked him how it felt. He said it's still broken. So <laughs> he wasn't too worried about it. But uh, you know he's he's very proudly 
competing and holding his own on the defensive end right now. And that is a like night and day from last year. Well, they are to be paid attention to. They are a dangerous team because of him. Because, you know, if you get into a playoff series, that's 2-2 or not even before that. I don't care what the team's seating is. I don't care. Actually, I don't care what any of these teams' seatings are in the West. Yeah. I, I guess if you're Minnesota and you're Oklahoma City and you just don't have a lot of playoff experience together, you'd like to start and end playoff series at home. I don't care what Dallas's seed is. I don't care what the Lakers, if they get in seed or the Warriors seed, even the Suns to a certain extent. But, you know, if, if Luca can, if Luca can truly be a factor on defense and so much of the story about the Western conference is side so much. when you look at these two games or these two, these, uh, this, these, uh, teams is who can handle size and who does it? Because it's almost like you can go down the line and say, this team does well with size. This team does it. And the, and the, the Suns are a team that doesn't deal well with size because they have trouble playing with it. You know, you mentioned them going small, the Suns, I think, just because of trial and error, and because this is what seems to work, the Suns have been really leaning into playing lineups with Durant at center, which is, well, I didn't see the game tonight. I assume that's what they, they did. They did that they- a lot. They did that a lot. And like the Mavs came out, they were down three at the half. And they came out and just lit up in the third quarter. Threes. Luka hit three of them, fed on two of them, 15-0 run to come out. And then the, the Suns went small. They got back in the game. Mavs went small to match up with it. It actually didn't work that time around. That's when they came back with the big lineup, bumping Max through the four, bringing Gafford in. But then they they went back and let's see. Nurkic played 19 and a half minutes. Eubanks only played six, and those didn't go well. It was the minus 10. And then, you know, they played small. So that's that's 23 minutes of a yeah, small. Seriously, ball. you go down, Mavs. you go down every team. You look at like, okay, what's what's Golden State doing? Golden State's been going smaller. Draymond's now yeah. been their starting center. They replace Clay Thompson, the starting lineup with Brandon Pajemski. They're playing smaller and they're winning. The Lakers have been going bigger with yeah. Rui Hachimura in there. What's going on in, in Phoenix? They're going smaller, playing more Durant center. You just talked about how the Mavericks, after acquiring size of the deadline, are now playing a seven-footer back at, at power forward with uh, Kleba going to play a lot more four. And we know that the, uh, the the Wolves have played big all year long. So, like, to me, this is a huge factor in how the matchups are going to go. And Well, and then you've got to go through the defending champs who are huge <laughs> and have a seven-footer right. who – but that's the thing. Maybe you go small against the Nuggets and just try to outscore them because, breaking news, nobody in the West can stop Joker. Nobody. Yeah. Well, He's, this- He has dominated – Anthony Davis in a, in a Western Conference Finals, he hit a series-winning shot over Rudy Gobert in the bubble. Like there's yep. there's nobody there's nobody in the world who can stop Joker. It's just not yeah. happening. Yeah, I mean we've talked about it a bunch. I think it, it's just the the West is going to be so dictated by the individual matchups of these teams and who matches up with who. Even even more than size in particular, it's just certain teams match up a lot better with other teams. We've seen it as the year has played out and it, it, it truly, I think is going to come down to, you know, like we saw last year with the Lakers, the Lakers got a favorable couple of draws and they took advantage of it and got to the conference finals. And like, there's a chance where one of these lower seated teams gets the right couple of matchups and is in the conference finals. You might look up and go, man, how did so-and-so get there? And if they get the right draw, it could play out that way. I will say though, really don't like Kevin Durant playing 20, 25 minutes at center. I understand they don't have a lot of options, and that's the way their team is built. But playing him 
if he's going to be consistently playing 20, 25 minutes at center, I'm going to knock on wood as I say this. I don't want it to happen. I'm afraid that's going to end up with him getting banged up. Well, and I'll say this. I agree. I, 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 agree I say KD at center. It's really KD is the tallest player out there because a lot of that time, for example, Royce O'Neal was actually playing center defensively. Right. I, so, they, they've played... Like, I was at a game. I was at a Suns game. But this that's year also where, not like that's also just not going to work against right. well, the Suns. I was at a Suns game this year where Josh Okoji played, and I don't mean like a couple yeah. of possessions because of transition matchups. Right. Josh Okoji was the designated defensive center for yeah, that was three, awesome. four, that's five nice. minutes. But they they've leaned into it. Part of the reason well, why they acquired Royce uh, O'Neal at the at the deadline was to effectively yeah, play with all all wings. And yep. by the way, I asked I asked Stats Williams today during that third quarter. I said, you know, what are the KD at center lineups? Uh, what, you know, what are the numbers this year? And I thought they were going to be good. I was dead wrong on that. Minus seven point seven net rating. Now, like you said, part of the reason they went out and got Royce O'Neal was to be able to to you know beef those lineups up. There's Booker's missed a ton of time. Beal's missed a ton of time. Beal well, look, didn't yeah, play, that's we didn't, didn't even mention. Tonight. Beal yeah, was, was out was tonight. Beal was out tonight with the hamstring, and Will sounds like going to be out tomorrow. Yeah, uh, Frank Vogel said he's unlikely to play against the Rockets. Um, but again, that's also just like, hey, that's part of it. I mean, Beal's been hurt for the majority of the year. Beal came in too. He arrived in Phoenix with major durability issues. He's a fifty million dollar bonus. By well, and except he I isn't. Don't like think this. No, that's I'm saying problem. it's a bonus yeah. if he's on the floor. I don't think you can rely on him. Well, I know. And that's, that is the inherent problem with the Suns that we've talked about from the moment they made the Beal trade, right? Like they have put together three very talented guys who have been unable to stay on the court consistently. And this year, for the most part, they've been able to have Booker and Durant out there more regularly than they have been in the past. But the Beal thing has continued to be a problem. And again, anytime you hear about a guy who's had this many muscle injuries, having hamstring tightness and that all the talk was he was going to be ready to play today. And all of a sudden now he's not playing in either this game or the game Friday. All right. Well, how long is he going to be out? And again, we're talking about a situation where if you're the Suns, and uh, I mean, again, if you're one of these seven, eight teams and you've got the Lakers and Warriors sitting at nine and 10 to like <laughs> live teams and all these teams I, are flawed, obviously. I know where this is going. Teams, I know where this is going. You don't want to be sitting there in that. And I think you might've said this the other day, McMahon, you don't want to be sitting there in the eight, nine game looking at Steph Curry or LeBron James no. and being one loss away from going home. Can you imagine if the Lakers Warriors and Suns are in the play in dude, Ooh. it could be the Lakers Warriors Suns, and Mavericks in the, in the play in. Easily possible. Easily, possible. You, could have all, it, you could have two. If or it two started of those right now, make the playoffs. If it, if it if it's right now, it's Suns Kings is seven eight. Lakers Warriors is nine ten. So like, it's I'll very possible what. at least three of those teams are in there, if not all four of them. Well, you talk. You're talking about how matchups dictate everything in the West. Bontemps, the matchup challenge for the Suns could be that injury report. Yeah, because. And, when they are, when those three guys are healthy, like they could make a run if they're all healthy. If and it's just it's it, when right, they that don't if is what have, we've been talking about since June. When they don't have the third guy, they're just so light on playmaking. Yeah, the one so the one on star lineups have been a problem all season. Yes. Whenever they've happened, they're so they're extremely easy to defend. The Mavs held them to fifty points in the second half, and KD didn't shoot it great tonight. Um, but like I said, you, 
even tonight, Katie plays 40 minutes, Booker plays 39. So I got to do math, which is difficult, but that's 17 minutes of one star. I think so. 17 minutes of one star lineups. And those were not pretty because there's nobody else that you're worried about. Now you don't want to give Grayson Allen good looks. You don't want to give Eric Gordon good looks, but like they were fine giving Royce O'Neal looks. They were begging Josh Okogie to get threes. I mean, Saban Lee played six minutes. It was like, please. Well, and and the other shoot and, the ball. Yeah. And none of those guys, like Grayson Allen, fantastic shooter, right? Not really a threat to put the ball on the floor and make nobody plays, you're worried especially about not doing for anybody else. No, let nobody, them. They, they want him to dribble every time. Nobody, that's the thing. A win. Nobody that's worried the thing. about putting putting pressure on you as far as breaking a defense down. And that's nobody. and that's where it, it's so hard for those guys in those one star lineups because it's like, all right, if, for as good as Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are. If it's like you got to come down and make a play for yourself or somebody else every single time down the and court. And by the way, here comes a second defender at you. Right. And then it's like, all right, let's th- throw the ball to somebody else. And like, yeah, there'll be nights where those guys will go off yeah, hitting shots. But for sure. it's just a huge load to have to carry over and over again, which is why. It's not something that you're going to win three playoff series with. Right. Which, just, which, is mean, why, which is why from the beginning it has that that if with the injury stuff, it's why we've talked about it so much because it is so important. And if they are able to find a way to have those three guys on the court from mid-April to whenever their season's done, they will be really dangerous. And if any one of them is out, all of a sudden they're pretty far down the pecking order, I think, in the West just because of all the other disadvantages they got on the roster for the sheer fact that they just didn't have a lot of depth from the the beginning of the season because of the the limitations are on from a roster building standpoint. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. All right, Bontemps, let's swing over to the Eastern Conference where you saw the Knicks tonight. Knicks got some guys back coming out of the All-Star break. They badly needed it after, I would say, was a so-so injury report from the injured players uh, from the Knicks. Um, specifically Julius Randle, who well, you say, hmm, you know, the Knicks were being purposely vague about his his situation and acting like everything was probably going to be okay. And Julius comes out on Wednesday and says, yeah, I could, st- it's possible I still could need surgery. Yeah, That wasn't yeah. good news. Well, um, I would say, I mean, just to, just to be clear about it, the reason I'm saying that is because it's really what we've been saying the entire time is what, Julius said, right? And frankly, it's what the Knicks said the whole time because the Knicks, all the Knicks would say was, because he got hurt at the beginning of February, all the Knicks said at the time was he's going to be reevaluated in two to three weeks. Didn't say like he's not going to have surgery. Didn't say he's going to have surgery. Just said he's going to rehab. We'll see where he's at later this month. And every time Tom Thibodeau got asked about it or every time the Knicks were supposed to give some sort of update about it, it was just, well, Julius is progressing. He's looking good. Tibbs would get asked directly, is he going to have, is he definitely not going to have surgery? No, can't say that. And then Julius, to his credit, just sat there on Wednesday and talked to the media and said, hey, look, I can't really know for sure how this is going to go until I start contact and hitting people and seeing how this goes. And as we know, Julius is a freight train and kind of has to play that way. And we'll see if his shoulder will hold up. I was only saying that because I just, to me, it's, this has been the story from the moment he got hurt. It was... We haven't really been sure if he's going to avoid surgery or not. And we might not know until he all the way is back on the court again. Well, his co-star went through something similar in, in Dallas his second year. Uh, Jalen Brunson didn't go to the bubble because he had shoulder surgery. when he And that was something where he came back and tried to play through it. 
And then finally, it was just like, well, okay, I've got to get the operation because it never got right until that's that, that's the way fixed. so many of these so shoulder surgeries go, especially yeah. for big guys. They come back and they reaggravate it. They re-dislocate it. So Julius is so physical, and how, I mean, mm. he's one of the most physical players in the league. I mean, he's probably right up there with Giannis in terms of how much he's using his size and strength to maneuver around and you know create space on defenders and stuff. So. That's going to be a significant thing. But OG Ananobi progressing well, Mitchell Robinson progressing well, and they got back Isaiah Hartenstein, Boyan Bogdanovich, who had a great game, hit six for six from three at 22 points, and Dante DiVincenzo, who has been fantastic for a couple of months now in the starting lineup. He got back as well, and they played very well against the Knicks and got back on track after having a four-game slide going against into the Philly. break. Yeah, look, they're Philly. on the road yeah, in Philly, and... Brunson goes 518. It was hardly a, a banner night for him. I know Hartenstein was back, but he didn't play that well. Well, uh, he only played, it was interesting. He only played 11 minutes before the game because he's been dealing with Achilles soreness, which as we all know, <laughs> that's a scary yeah. thing to be hearing, especially for a guy who's played great and is going to be a free agent in five months. But Tom Thibodeau said he was going to play in short stints tonight. And he did. He played a short stint to start the game and a short stint to start the third quarter. And that was it. Didn't play after that. Right. But anyway, they got the win and by double digits. And so that was a, a needed one. Like, it, you know, it's one thing if Brunson comes out and scores 37, but they went on a night where Brunson is a little bit off. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, getting Boyan Bogdanovich was so important is that he gives them firepower, especially off the bench. And he had a terrific, uh, a terrific game and uh, Mac, you know, overcoming Maxi having a 35 point game. So, and a, an interesting little two days, two game stretch here for the 76ers who are fighting to stay out of the play in zone themselves. Mm -hmm. um, they get, well, by the, the way, they are yeah. six and 15 without the MVP of the league, who is Ooh. not going to be back in the near term. Now you can say a lot of that is because they have been down so many guys because they have yeah tobias uh, uh is, was back tonight but didn't play well yeah tobias i mean they nick batum came back today but d'anthony melton has been out they just got kyle lowry back today maxi and harris have both been sick off and on for weeks all of like all these guys have been out but at the same time they've really been scuffling a lot and their schedule's difficult for the next few weeks they got cleveland on friday you know we'll see what happens with donovan mitchell he did not play in their return from the break, a good win for Orlando in Cleveland over the Magic, but or over the Cavs, I mean. But what, what, what was have, Donovan's issue? I believe he was out with an illness. Oh. But he, uh, you know, and then they have the Bucks and Doc Rivers coming back here, and Patrick Beverly. I should probably add some of the stuff he has said lately on Sunday. But uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty interesting times for the Sixers because obviously, again, they're another team that would love to not be having to deal with the play-in come early April. And also, if Joel Embiid, let's say he can come back in late March, if he's sitting there healthy and ready to go by the end of the regular season, if he's sitting in 6th, 7th, or 8th, you know, if you're Boston, you've been the best team all year, like, Man. I would pick them to beat the Sixers. But still, if you, you have to deal with Joel Embiid in the first round of the playoffs, he's healthy and ready to go, that would not exactly be an ideal start to the postseason. So a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff 
in both conferences, the way these things yeah. are. Well, with that win in, in Cleveland tonight, Orlando um, is now a game and a half back of Philly in fifth. And uh, Indiana is a game back. And Indiana, Orlando, Miami, all tied in the loss column. Six, seven, I was going to say, you know, listen, if you're Boston, you have the best record in the league, you might get the treat of the heat in the first round, which... <laughs> Which again, I would pick them to win, but is not. Yes. You don't want to be seeing Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Eric Spolstra sitting there in the eighth seed in the first round of the playoffs. Just ask the Milwaukee Bucks. So uh-huh. you know there it's there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun machinations to come here over the next several weeks in the East. I think to see how this stuff shakes out. But yes, the Knicks really needed to get some guys back. They got a bunch of guys back, and you know this Philly thing. They got up, they're on the road a ton in March. They're, they've been down a bunch of guys. Kyle Lowry looked really good today. I think he's going to be very good for Philly. I think he will be a very significant upgrade on Patrick Beverly, who was not very good when he was here. And you know, oh, he's had a lot you're going to start a podcast rivalry. Well, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I will. He's had a lot of things to say on his podcast uh, in recent days about the Sixers, shockingly, after being traded. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's the thing about that's the thing about Bev. You can't always count on Bev, but you can always count on Bev to be Bev. And so yes. what I mean by that is, you know <laughs> that whatever team he gets to, he's going to be like, "Let's go! I'm here, baby. Yes. We're gonna we're gonna win it all. I'll do everything." Oh, oh I yes. just got traded. Screw that team. How's yes. my new team? We're great, baby. Yes. Like it's it's extremely predictable. The intensity. He is consistent, if nothing else. Yeah. So I, I am. I may be crazy, but I I actually think that the Bucks might be okay. I can't. Uh-oh. I I, Let's, I would like you to make an. I would like you to make this argument. What the fawn? <laughs> <laughs> as bad as they've looked, and as worrisome as they are, their defense has improved with Doc. And even though their offense is cratered, uh, small I mean small cratered. detail. <laughs> Listen, I'll say uh, this. They're going like they're not going to be a bad offensive team, right? Just right. when you have Damian Lillard and Giannis, you might have a rough stretch, but you're not going to be a bad offensive team, right? With those two guys, their it's defense has improved. Happen. They're again, I do think their defensive systems are in better shape. They really, really could use Chris Middleton looking like anything like Chris Middleton. He had one little stretch this year where he actually looked like he got his feet back up underneath him. It's like, okay, here they go. And then he got hurt again. Well, and by the way, he's got a sprained ankle and I think he's already been ruled out through the weekend and was already, and was hurt before the break. And he's actually been pretty good. I mean, he's a lot like Bradley Beal, really. He's actually been pretty. That's exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah. He's been pretty good all year when he's been healthy. But right. again, this is a guy who's had a ton of lower leg injuries now. He's into his mid-30s, and he's missed a bunch of time. And he is such a critical guy for them on offense. And again, at the other end of the court, you talk about the defense. Let's be honest. The defense might be a little better because he is not a very good defender at this point. And That's again, true. when you That's have... True. When you have him, that's a and long Dame way from Malik. when they won a championship, right? And if you have him, Damon Malik Beasley out there on the perimeter, I'm sorry, you're not going to be a good defensive team, no matter who you've got. I him. don't think that they're going to be good, a good defensive team, but I do think they can improve, and well, I think and, they have been improving. When they hired Doc, I said I don't think they've got to be if they're a an average defensive team. I think they'll have a chance because I still I still think they're going to be a very very good even elite offensive team. I'm not changing that because of a handful of game sample size of them struggling. 
And Wendy, as you mentioned last time, the nerdy numbers told you that there was some fluke factor that in terms of the shot quality was still very good. I just also would like to, oh, no, go ahead. Their schedule is very hard. They have, I think, the third toughest schedule coming in and that could undercut them. But I just, I would just not count as the, as the Celtics now open up a, with their win on Thursday and the Cavs lost, the Celtics now have a seven game lead in the Eastern Conference. As that happens, I'm just saying, don't, don't count the bucks out. That's all. Well, listen, what I was going to say was we've started, we haven't really talked about them a lot because they've just so consistently been dominant this season. Celtics have a plus 10.4 net rating. Yeah. Which is all time great, like high 60 win team kind of stuff. And I don't know if maybe they'll only end up at like 62 or 63 instead of 66 or 67, but like they are putting together the resume of a team that looks like an all time great team. And we will see if that translates to the playoffs or not. But with all the injuries in the East, with the way they are playing, it is turning into a situation where they have to be seen as the prohibitive favorites to get out of the East as of today. And if they don't get out of the East at minimum, you got to look at this as a pretty gigantic failure yeah, as well, it sits I, right now. Okay. Does th- prohibitive th- mean they can't drink? <laughs> <laughs> they have, uh, they have, you know, they have a, a, some really big TV games coming up. So we're going to get a real chance to see them play, you know, in high level and high profile games. But we just spent the last hour talking about all these teams all packed together. And then there's the team with the boat race way out front. And I mean, like it absolutely is easy to just, you know, take them a little bit for granted. Jackson, by the way, strength is, oh, sorry, go ahead. Best home scoring margin, the Celtics by over three and a half points. Best road scoring margin. Huh? Oh, by three and a half. Yeah. Like they're they're plus plus 13.7 at home. Yeah. KOKC's plus 10.1. I was going into tonight. And then they're also the team with the best road scoring margin. I mean, they're they're clearly the best team in the NBA so far during this regular season. Yeah, no, they've got to. I mean, look, all they have left to do is prove it in the playoffs. That's like the, they haven't. They've obviously struggled in the playoffs. They've advanced deep and had all these long series. We've talked about it ad nauseum. But like yeah. they are doing everything required to look the part of a potentially all-time great team. They've just got to follow it up with the playoffs. And by the way. Since you mentioned it, Brian, just looked it up on our system. Coming into tonight, so it's not quite updated yet, but it's close enough. Hardest strength of schedule remaining in the league, Phoenix. Second, Milwaukee. Sixth, Philly. Where are the Celtics on that? uh, The Celtics are 27th. Okay, I thought Mm. they might be dead last, but yeah, I knew they were The Magic are dead last. The Nuggets are second to last. That's interesting. Celtics are 27, Warriors 26, Thunder 25. And the war, yeah, the Warriors certainly have an advantage there. If you're charting a team that could move up out of that play in the West, I really do think it's Golden State because well, of Golden their State schedule. by the metrics certainly is out is, of the play in. Wow. Well, they well, been, maybe not out of the play in, but but certainly to, I mean, they're in tenth. So, so as of today, because I looked at this the other day, and I this I don't believe includes tonight's results, so I will just say that. Uh, as of right now, the Warriors, I believe, are favored to get into the 7-8 game over... Yes, so as of now, the Warriors are favored to get into the 7-8 game over 
the Warriors over the Lakers and over the Kings, in part because their schedule is so much easier, and the Lakers are in the top ten in terms of most difficult who's, schedules. Who's the other team in the playing in that in those uh, nerdy numbers? Uh, the Dallas Mavericks are slightly ahead of the Phoenix Suns, and I suspect when this runs after tonight's games, I would mm. suspect that will be flipped with the tiebreaker going to Dallas. Yeah, because it's more. It's like very mm. slightly Dallas ahead of. Dallas behind Phoenix, and I suspect now it'll be the other way around. Well, listen, I am very proud of us that we talked about like 17 different teams on this podcast and didn't talk about the Lakers and talked about the Warriors in the last 90 seconds <laughs> because I've got to go on get up and first take in the morning. Well, all I will do for four straight hours is talk about the Warriors and Lakers. Oh, they're going to have you talking about Christian Woods knee effusion? Absolutely. Way before we talk about Isaiah Joe. Let's just imagine? applaud McMahon. <laughs> yes. Let's just plot. Let's applaud McMahon. First of all, for correctly saying effusion, big word, perfectly said. But his favorite guy, Christian Wood, knew we had to get that right. I know. Yeah, Christian let's Wood. He's let's the just most start the drum minimum beat. player in the history of the league. Let's just let's do it. Let's play a drinking game for all of our listeners who why go back and watch, get up and watch first take, and we'll do a drinking game. How uh, every time that Brian Windhorst says Isaiah Joe on either show. Do a shot. If you're sitting at your desk at work, do just have a have some have some liquor there. Do a shot every time. I suspect you're going to be pretty sober at lunch. You'll be stone no cold sober. Hey, speaking no of prediction. drinking, you know what? You know what? I did a quick little Google search on. Oh no, this could go Ak- very bad. <laughs> no, no, Akron, Ohio breweries. I'm thinking. Oh, I'm just saying. You know, I got some. I got some fawns in in mind. You know, some fawns starting to to grow up here. Seedlings, Wendy might call them. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Hey, if what it's gonna be a windy bobblehead night, we might as well make a weekend of it. That's all. I, I mean, I was I'm planning on being at the game, but I cannot believe we're back to fawns and seedlings again. No, I'm just what saying. A, what a what a how do you spell? Oh, you're talking about like uh, baby deer again. I was like, I was like, what is he talking about? I thought he was talking about like palm. Yes, we're going to just recycle this entire insanity from the other day. Just I, bring I it back. About that. I forgot about that. <laughs> Hey, what well, happens? What happens if uh, if Giannis gets poked in the eye? This is a Giannis dad joke, if I've ever heard one. I have no idea. All right, thank might... you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. <laughs> thank you to Mister Mister Bontemps. Thank you, Mister McMahon. Uh... Thank you, to Jackson, our producer. Thank you for listening, and we'll uh, talk to you and see you next week. Adios, amigos. Mm-hmm.